are y'all doing out there again? This is today. This is Dr. Foy. Uh, we're not preaching on the Bible or anything. Uh, we're doing the eight essentials to recovery. You know, last week, Wednesday last week, I did the first session of uh, the eight essentials to recovery. Uh, I, I, I also gave that story. Uh, I don't want to do it every time I come, but I just need you to know very briefly that I was the director of two substance abuse programs after my master years, after graduating with my master's, and also uh, securing my license by the state of Louisiana. Uh, uh, you know, so that was a really good time in my life that was going on. So I want to just talk about these 80 centuries to recovery. Uh, we cannot deny the way our world is operating today that we got plenty of people on illegal drugs or on something and doing something, whether they be alcoholic or drugs or whatever, or even sex addiction. You know, these eight essentials is good for whatever addiction you may have. And for a lot of us, we may not have an addiction, but at the very least, we know somebody in the family, close friend, that's wrestling with this. And so it becomes a very big matter in our culture and community uh, as it relates to drugs, alcohol, all various kinds of addictions. And so I decided I wanted to run this through the, uh, you guys so that uh, you can be educated on it. Because if you're not uh, using yourself, I believe all of us know somebody, someone that is using. And, and we need a way to uh, escape and find deliverance. Now, uh, last week, uh, week one, I presented the 80 Essentials, guys, and you got that in there now, so uh, there's no need for me to go over all of it because it's there in all of our little spots. And, and if not, uh, anywhere you go, any platform you go to, It'll direct you to where the 80 centrals are, and all you have to do is click on it, and it'll bring, it'll take you there, like the staple singles. It'll take you there. So I'm gonna get started with the second phase of it. Uh, this will be session two. Uh, remember that there is one more session behind this. Session one was just based upon. Uh, putting the 80 centuries out there, what it is, what it's about, and how did I get there. Today, session two is going to be on treatment. Treating those that's wrestling with an addiction. And it's on treatment. And uh, first thing about treatment I want to talk about is the 12 steps. Uh, program, but mainly I want to talk about the 12-step uh, 
book called Alcoholics Anonymous, or a lot of us, we call it the big book in this arena here, but it's Alcoholics Anonymous. It is the principal book. Remember, I said it in last session that the Oxford group came together, a bunch of men uh, that had been plagued by addiction themselves, and they came together, wanted to bring up a, a way that they can impact those that suffer with alcohol or drugs as they did, and they wanted to do something uh, that would help to unshackle those that was uh, chained down in uh, the addiction. And what I really like about the Oxford group, uh, they were men that just wanted to help people that was wrestling. And the primary thing back then was alcohol, and, you know, because, you know, drugs had always been a problem too, but the primary thing was people, too many people was, uh, had an addiction with alcohol, with drinking, and, uh, and that's what a lot of them was dealing with. And they wanted to, uh, you know, because uh, drugs came along a little later, which brought about treatment for the little different, especially when crack hit the market, uh, it became ridiculously absurd. Uh, crack. It sprayed it like wildfire. And it seemed to got people in the addiction a lot quicker than heroin did in those days. When I was coming up, the, the heroin users was always clean. In our era, it was good to wear jeans and have them starched with crease in. And you can hardly tell who was an addict on heroin simply because they always stayed clean for the most part of it. But when crack cocaine came in, clean was over. And, uh, and hiding was over. And it was all about exposure. And then we had uh, the traumatic with, that was running what and what uh, with alcohol and uh, crack cocaine. So, what I want to talk with you about today is treatment. Now, treatment started with the Oxford group that developed the book, and they called it a 12-step program, uh, 12 steps, uh, which means before you get to 12 step, you got to start at step one, and you take one step at a time and work your program. It was that particular and, you know, in these days now we got 12 cells for alcoholics, uh, anonymous. We got uh, for drugs, those. We got it for sex. We, we got it for all other kind of things that's going on. Some, a lot of people are in bondage to it, that term addiction. So I'm going to start here. I know you know about the 12 step there in the big book, and I don't have enough time to read every step, but being the director of the program, we only uh, was justified to take the first three steps and get anybody that came to the program 
acclimated to the 12-step program. And so, but we, inside the program, we only did step one, two, and three. We didn't go further than that because most of the time, that was the part when the sponsors had to step in and become the sponsor and work with them from there on. Now, they would go back to one, two, and three, but we wanted to give them a base to work from. And uh, so that's what I'm going to present today as it relates to treatment, or uh, the treatment we did in-house so that when the addict came to get into the program, they all was able to uh, have our meetings of recovery every day. But we actually, whether it was six months or a year, we actually worked on the first three steps and that was it. And we encourage everybody that graduated, that left the program, to uh, even while they was in the program, to go catch meetings because there were uh, nine more steps that they need to understand. And that's was for the sponsor, what they was all about. So I'm gonna give you a comparison, uh, first of all, of the first three steps of treatment. Uh, in the big book, it says, we admit, we admitted, we admit that we were powerless over our addiction and our lives has become unmanageable. Now, I'm doing this because I want you to know when I had the program and I was in control, I found another way that seems to work better from my approach. For instance, I immediately changed we admit to I admit it. You know, because one thing I learned about addiction, you are for addicts are I don't care if mama, daddy, sister, brother, daughter, addict needed to go into the program. Addicts did not come to the program till they got ready. No matter how much they loved their family members, or uh, they never got clean and sober till they realized or recognized they had a problem. And for whatever reason, I'm not trying to make fun of anything, but this was the truth we had to live with. Many of them are addicts, that is, that was under the control of a substance. They often was the last ones actually to recognize that they had a problem. Mama would know they got a problem. Daddy would know they got a problem. Sisters and brothers would know they got a problem. Friends would know they got a problem. But how be it, the addict would always prove to be the last one to realize that he had a problem. He just did not want to uh, admit that something has taken a hold of them and has uh, restricted them from uh, being the individuals that they dared to be. And so uh, we saw that happening on a regular basis. And uh, so 
Uh, we admitted that we was powerless over our addiction and our lives became unmanageable. Well, I changed it so that they can use I statement. Just talk about yourself. Don't talk about the group. Talk about yourself. That was another problem that we saw in treatments. How an addict can work somebody else's program while not being able to work his or her own program. And they can tell you how to get better, but they themselves couldn't find their way to the door. All right, so I use I statements in my program, and it would say, I admitted that I was powerless over my addiction to help them take ownership, and my life has become unmanageable. We're going to explain that more as we go. Step two, just for the sake of knowing, from the big book, you see, we came to believe that there is a power greater than our addiction who can restore us to sanity. And my program, it read, I came to believe that there is a power greater than my addiction who can restore me to sanity. And then step three, from the big book ahead, we made a decision to turn our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. But in minds, it says, I made a conscious decision to turn my life over to the care of God as I understood him. So we had a lot of I statements when it came down to working the program. All right, and we only work the first three steps, everything else. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to present all three steps because one is rigorous enough, and I want you to pay attention on how uh, I utilize. And by the way, I think I told you guys last time that uh, I prayed for God that helped me close the revolving door. Uh, and what I meant by that is that a lot of addicts came to the program and they begged to get in. And I would go home and come back to work the next day only to find out uh, those that begged to come in, uh, they would be gone, they had left the program, they, maybe a friend came and told them I got something or whatever, but they were so unstable and it was my thought that I wanted to close that revolving door. I wanted to close that revolving door. So I prayed and asked God, what can I offer as a clinician to help people purge themselves of whatever drug or alcohol they are on so that they can get better. Now, I got to admit, it didn't come all at once, but it came. And I want to present my step one, how I worked with the uh, uh, individuals that was in my program and how I did it and how the I statement did a whole lot better work. Now, I taught every last one of them, when you get graduate out the program, Remember, the big book got we admit. And so you're going to be hearing that again because I'm the only one that within treatment used I statement, which I thought was a very 
smart thing to do because one addict can't talk about another addict, but he can talk about himself and how his disease affected him. You know, everybody didn't have the same story. All right. So let me give you this before I give you the breakdown of uh, of of uh, step one, uh, how to use the Bible in treatment. I did not know how to use the Bible in treatment, but God gave me one specific scripture that I had really deemed to be the king of recovery. And that was Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. Most of you know how to even quote it by heart. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, you're going to see how this is going to play inside of the essence of step one. That's what I called it, the essence of step one. In other words, while most people could just read the step, uh, I wanted something better for the uh, individuals that was in the program because we know that the step oftentimes was read in a big book talking about we admit. And one addict can't admit for another addict. That's why I wanted them to use I statements. Talk about you. Do you admit that you? And here we go. Uh, uh, with one, let me give you, uh, before I move on, let me give you this first. Uh, let me push this up. All right, here we go. Push it up. Uh, remember, step one says, I admit that I am powerless over my addiction. All of these possession words, the addict has got to take possession of what he's going through, he or she. And my life, as a result, has become unmanageable. Let's see what that means when we are. Uh, look at the, this step beginning with uh, how step one is to work for those that's using it, okay? All right, here we go. The word I, when we use the word I, I put a definition for everything. Even as a preacher, I realized our word didn't have uh, as much meaning uh, because it can change with the context and how it's used. So I wanted these individuals to absolutely know how to work the first three steps. I is a personal pronoun used to keep the focus on the self. That's what I used it for. I wanted them, each of them, to keep the focus on themselves. The word Focus should be considered as being equivalent to the word scope. Now you got to bear with me on this because it's going to all come together. Uh, for those that went deer hunting, they generally 
had a rifle, and I noticed on top of that rifle, all of them had a scope on top of it. All right, so based upon that, I say the focus should be considered as being equivalent to that word of a scope that we find on top of that rifle. A deer hunter uses a scope while hunting for uh, at least two reasons he uses that scope. For number one, he uses the scope because he needs to magnify the target. He needs to magnify the target. Why do he wants to magnify the target? So that he can make sure he go home with that 10 buck on top of his car or truck. That was the whole purpose of I don't want to miss it. I need to make sure I hit my target. For the addict, the target is sobriety. Clean and sober. Sobriety is the target. So when it comes to the program, they use I statement to magnify the target, which is sobriety. I, I need to get clean and sober. All right, so that's the target. And the second thing they use their scope for to, to eliminate distractions. You know, when they're out hunting, they got squirrels in the trees, rabbits on the ground, and maybe even a snake around them. So anyway, they want to make sure they magnify the target to, for what? To eliminate distractions. Both increase the hunter's potential of achieving the desired end. The desired end, I got this 10 bucks on the back of my truck going home to eat some deer meat. For the addict, all the distractions uh, could be the very fact that they're concerned, more concerned about somebody else's program than they are their program. Uh, and they lose sight of who they're there to work on. There's so many times that I've seen that I've done this worked for over 10 years, 12 years actually, uh, and, and the truth is we needed to eliminate distractions. Girls can be a distraction, or uh, another hit of a drug can be a distraction. We wanted them to understand, you must, the I is the responsibility of the I to, uh, to eliminate distractions uh, so that they can get the outcome. So I take that personal personal pronoun, I admit. Nobody can admit it for the addict. Family members did it all the time, and they're still saying, I ain't no addict, and I don't need to go into no program until they realize when they hit bottom, they had to go in. And only then would they admit, and not 100% of them, because they admit to get it in, but then they'll find a way to get themselves out of the program prematurely. All right, so admit every word uh, in the 12 step has a definition. The word admit means to come to terms with or to settle the matter once and for all. The word admit is the hinge upon which 
the attic or the persons in need of sobriety hang their uh, hats upon. They hangs on that. The attic or the person uh, that's been using cannot recover unless he or she gets honest with themselves. That's why one of the first things that I taught last week in the 80th century, number one was honesty. Because addicts don't get clean and sober till they get honest about the problem and that the problem is not a figment of the imagination. It really exists. Amen. Uh, I'm going to try to move on a little quicker here. We're going to try to do it, but we may not. I might have to split this up into two sections. All right. So uh, the, addict, the addict must... Uh, acknowledge that uh, and accept his or her reality as I admit I have a full-blown problem and somebody better check me because I'm going to wreck me. And so I admit that. The word that refers to the subject matter at hand. Whether or not I'm truly an addict is not relevant at this time. If you're using drugs, if you're drinking, and you're having problems in your life, chances are you need to check in and, and, and deal with the subject matter. And the subject matter is always the addiction. All right. Uh, I admit that I, that the second I is like the first I. It refers, again, back to the antecedent, which is the original person, no pro, uh, pronoun, which means I, I talking about the same person. I ain't changed. I'm not talking about somebody. I admit that I have an issue, a problem. I what? I am powerless. The word M means a state of existence or being the real you. The internal you which is totally deficient. See uh, in the Bible the words say that in the Old Testament God uh, introduced himself when he wanted to know who should I say send me? He said I am what I am. But what God meant in the Hebrew with that word he was talking about I am the all sufficient one. I'm the altogether one. I'm the complete one. I, I am. But we are not, as people, we are not all sufficient. And neither are addicts all sufficient. So they have to admit that they are in a state of deficiency. And, you know, we are deficient when we are not using drugs or alcohol. But how much more deficient are we? when we have this ongoing problem in our lives. And uh, what they admit, that I'm powerless. Powerless, that word powerless is a compound word. You know, first of all, it refers to the willpower. When an addict say, a person say, I'm powerless, they're actually saying, I have not the willpower to overcome this thing that has invaded my life and took control and taken me on this whirlwind ride, whether I want to go or not. 
I am powerless. When the alcohol is being passed out, I can't say, hey, no, don't give me a drink. I don't need no. When the crack is going around, I can't say, no, I, I don't want to get no more. Same thing with the heroin or any other drug or even marijuana. Or, or can't say no. So I'm powerless. That's what we mean by we are powerless or with the inner strength. We are powerless is a compound word. Powerless, powerless. So we we understand the will is in there, and that is the seed of one's desire, wants, wishes, and choices. So I have not the will, the desires, or wants, or wishes to make the choice that I need to make to extricate myself from my dilemma. So I'm powerless. And so the word power refers to the strength, ability, or authority. So what the addict is admitting to, I have not the will to resist, or, 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 or I don't have the strength, the ability, or authority to dismiss this addiction because I keep on doing what I swear to my wife, my family, my parents and other people that I won't do and I go do it again. So power is a compound word that refers to strength but for the addict he says he has not the will, the desire, wishes or choices to be able to muster up the strength and power less, the less on there means a smaller amount not as much. I'm powerless. So I'm nowhere near where I was when I was born. I'm now in a place where something else is running my life. Now let me stop here to tell you one thing. Addiction, although it's an entity that affects the body, but you got to know the primary attack is in the brain is in the brain. Once the addiction gets uh, power in the brain, therein the person has no willpower to dismiss that addiction and tell it to be gone or leave me alone because they are in the clutch. I liken addiction to that of demonic possession. Yeah, yeah. While a spirit, demonic spirit, can enter somebody's body and, and, and take control of them, but the addiction enters the brain and takes control. Where the addict could be sitting down, minding his own business, and all of a sudden, the addiction would tell him in his head, go get him. He might be in the yard playing with his son, or uh, she might be in the yard sitting with her daughter. You know what I mean? And the addiction just say, go get it. And because they are powerless, they don't have a choice. They're going to do it. I know plenty of uh, wives and family members that are looking at yard, looking for that man or that woman to be still in that yard with their child, but they didn't hop the fence and went because they could not resist the compulsions uh, that told them to go get it. The compulsions and the urges. 
All right, moving right along, guys. Uh, power is over mine. Over is literally means to transfer, like turning money over to somebody. It, it means it is the act of transferring one's power to another. And so now the uh, power of the mind is being transferred as though we are transferring money from one bank account to another bank account. In this case, one bank account would be the attic turning over to another bank account, which would be that of the addiction. And, and as a result, the addict said, I am powerless over my addiction. Mine. Mine is a good word right there because remember, it's a personal pronoun that takes ownership or, or position. Possession, rather. All right. So <clears throat> now the addict said, I'm powerless over my addiction. Well, what is the definition of addiction? I, I can for I liken addiction as a demonic possession that takes on the characteristics of a parasite living within the person. It attempts to mimic God, the addiction does. It wants to mimic God. Although the addiction can be viewed as a, spirit, as a spiritual matter, in a manner rather, its primary operation is through obsessions, which we call psychological, and compulsions, which is physiological, that manifests in one's behavior. Psychological change of thoughts, physiological change of behavior. All right, either way it goes, there is calling the shot from the brain. And by the way, the brain is where the euphoric takes place at also. That's why uh, it's so hard to get rid of simply because that euphoric is a hard thing to get around. So they are, have their powerless and they say in, in addiction, in other words, there's more. So while they admit I'm powerless over my addiction, then he say in, which is a conjunction, meaning there's a caboose back there. There's not just an engine driving, but there's a caboose back there. And the caboose is just simply uh, in, there is more. And what, what's following that? My, my, which is a personal pronoun that takes ownership and possession of my, what? Life. The, and life could be defined as a quality of living that differentiates a, 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 a vital, functional person from a dead person. In other words, an addict is like dead man walking. You understand? My life. The addict is saying, my life has become unmanageable. Has is once uh, held in uh, possession. But become, it means the prefix be, 
means to occupy, you know, to be, to be, to exist. But the suffix or come really means to arrive at. The place I now arrive at is unmanageable. Well, what that means? Unmanageable, it simply means not able to organize or treat myself with care. Literally means I live a life of chaos because of this addiction. My life makes no more sense again. I, 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 pop, I could be sleeping on the street, sleeping in a homeless shelter, uh, sleeping in somebody's house, uh, uh, not just lose all of my stuff because of the addiction. They say my life has become unmanageable. The only thing I have time for right now is I need to give you this and I'm gonna turn to Philippians. Uh, Philippians, let me uh, go to that. The fourth chapter, verse number 13. All right, and I do the same thing with Philippians as I do with the step just for consistency so that if the problem is over here, then let's put the antidote over here so they can have access for relief. All right, listen to what uh, uh, that scripture says. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. All right, so here we go. The eye is the same eye that's in treatment. So it takes on the personal pronoun to keep the focus on the self. I don't have to explain that again because we've been through that with the eye up above. All right, uh, and now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we know the I that's in the individual, he's already admitted. He has no, he's powerless. So how can he introduce himself with the I here? Well, we're talking about uh, the I, he's doing it, but he's doing it through another source. And this is what you got to say. The I here is a personal pronoun, again, primarily used to keep the focus on the self. So even with the remedy or recovery, the addict must keep the focus on the self because you can't get somebody else clean and sober. You can't work on somebody. The only thing you can work on is the self. And many times they don't or can't do that. But if they can find this scripture, this scripture tells them I can do. I can, the word can, it really can be defined as having the ability or enablement to do, carry out, or perform something. In this case, I can do all things through Christ with strength. And we're going to find out what all of this is, what it means that I have the ability. I didn't have it, but because of Christ, you understand, this is uh, the way I uh, well, I'm going to get to that at the end. So I can do, the word do mean I can enable myself. I can muster up the ability if I'm plugged up to Christ. 
Uh, and to do means to perform or carry out. It is an action word, all right, of course. So I can do what? All things. What that means? Well, all refers to everything. It leaves nothing left out. It is an inclusive word. If I say everybody get out of this room, who did I give permission to stay? Nobody. So if I say all get out, then I'm expecting all to get up and leave. So all is all, and that's all all means. It is all inclusive. All right. All what? All things. Things in this particular verse refers to that action which is pertaining to recovery or sobriety for an addict. For somebody spiritual, it may be from recovery, from working under uh, the power of the enemy, the devil. It may be because the devil had my mind and had me uh, believe in one way, but now because of Christ, I have access to be free from all that has ever kept me in bondage, even addiction. All things refers to that action which pertains to recovery of sobriety. And, and here go your nugget here. Everything that the addict can do is through a person. It's through moving in one side and out to another side of by means of process of connected or being plugged up to. In other words, we got a fan in this corner over there and every now and then we might get a little warm but it's not hot enough to lower the air condition but we'll put the fan on and it'll create a little bit more breeze that'll cool us down. But to cut the air condition, the fan on, really the fan needs an outside source so that it can operate. The fan all by itself cannot cut itself on and I can't cut it on unless it's plugged up. And you can't be cut on unless you plugged up. And this is what I try to explain to everybody. Uh, there's a different kind uh, when you got a fan, it running off of 110 currents. But our air condition is running off 220. All right? So we got an addict operating off of 110, but when addiction comes, it's operating off of 220, and you wonder why they keep relapsing because of the overload. You can't undo a uh, uh, 220 with a 110. And so the addict is saying, I can do all things through Christ. If I'm plugged up to him, I have now, and still I have a 413 power. Philippians 413. So now I've got greater power, more power than the addiction that came and tore my life down with my 110 self. You know, but, but now I got access to the 413, which is Christ. The, uh, uh, the, the title given to Jesus, the anointed one, Lord and Savior, man to, of mankind, the word also refers to deity, create, creator, supreme being, ruler, 
In other words, God. <laughs> so that's why the big book say we know one that can help us. And we know that one to be God as we understand him. God is primarily the antidote for the relief of addiction or, or alcoholism or pornography, whatever the addiction is, if, if you plug up to this higher soul, you can be friend. While the devil brings power that's greater than the individual, it is God being plugged up to him that creates the power to go through them and expel the devil so that they can be free to live again. Uh, so in Christ, who is the supreme uh, creator, uh, being ruler, and you know, he's God. Who can strengthen me? That's who strengthens me. Who is the improper pronoun that refers back to the proper pronoun or antecedent. In other words, uh, you got to dismiss the addict or the man and you must take on the God-like being plugged up of uh, power, authority, and energy to be free or extricated from the disease that keep blowing, uh, blowing your fuse. Relapse takes place because when an addict tries to fight within his or herself, they find out that I can't do it by myself. That's why I keep relapsing. I need some outside help. Uh, some of the help could be the program. Some other help could be meetings. Some other help could be a sponsor. Some other help can be uh, people, family friends, a church, but the ultimate help is God. May you find him. That's what the big book say. When it say, we know one that can free us or deliver us, and we know that one to be God, and then he put this urgency on it in the big book. Talking about in the fifth chapter, they say, may you find him now. <laughs> There's an urgency when you lost control of your life. May you find him now. All right. And he provides strength, which simply means to make or become stronger, imparted by power, authority, or ability to give divine enablement to. God wants to give divine enablement to each of us. If it concerns spiritual matter, we have this scripture where we can have divine uh, enablement to tell the devil where to get off at. You know, we can tell the addiction, you know, the, through the compulsion, where to get off at. Or if there's a sex addiction or whatever the problem may be, here is the antidote. And uh, he closes out, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens who? Me. You got to keep that thing personal. You got to be personal. And you got to know where your help come from. And you got to be able to know it ain't coming from yourself. All right. Now, I thought I could be able to finish this because I have so much more uh, in this section. But I'm going to have to stop here and 
so that I can get back with you guys on next week. So on next week, for the second session, it's going to be two parts. So we'll work on part two, and we'll get back to it. Amen? All right, I don't mean to say, man, it's just supposed to habit of all preachers. All right? Uh, because I'm operating not as a preacher right now, but hopefully as a counselor, somebody that can help you overcome problems in your life, especially in regards to an addiction. Amen? I hope this has been a blessing for you. All of this God gave to me based on a prayer because I had uh, uh, a door that would not close. Addicts would come in one day and they would leave out the next day. And I wanted to make a difference in the lives of people and I prayed. And all of this that I shared with you guys today, God gave to me. And I need you to know that. I am not smart enough <laughs> to think of all of this myself. But I know one and I'm plugged up to one who is. Amen. Amen. So thank you for listening in. Thank you for being a part of this. There's more to come. Please come back on next Wednesday. I'll have part two to this message. And then the Wednesday after that, we'll move on to session three. All right? All right, guys. You, you be blessed. And if God be for you, who could be against you? There's no addiction can take you over. If God is in your car, find God. As the big book say, may you find him. Now, God bless. Bye-bye.